Welcome to the Truth Simply Put, the teaching broadcast vehicle of the Basilea Commission. On today's teaching, God's Word, rightly divided in the light of Christ, who is the central theme of the entire scriptures, will come with simplicity, precision, clarity, and power to instruct, admonish, edify, and build you up into the full measure of the stature of Christ. Now, let's dive straight in. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word that will come with precision. Thank you for the entrance of your word that gives light and understanding. Thank you for understanding of your word. Thank you for this yielded vessel. Thank you because you will speak through me and your sons will be edified and your name will be glorified. Amen. Okay. So I have a word that we have titled the battle ready believer please turn with me to Ephesians 6 from verse 10 to 18 it's a bit of a long read but stay with me yes I'm going somewhere so just just follow me yeah follow me (laughs) so Ephesians 6 from verse 10 to 18 finally my brethren Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, We know what therefore is therefore, yes, because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil days and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having geared your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you, have, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer, and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Amen. So if we go back to verse 11 of that scripture, Ephesians 6, 11, it says, put on the armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, what does that word wiles mean? So if we, can we have that verse in the NIV, please? If we have that verse, because, you know, Pav has taught us if we are, if we come across a word, it's always good to go through other translations or look up the original meaning for 
for which the word, so if we get verse 11 in the NIV. So he says, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand against all the strategies. So the wiles of the devil are strategies that he uses, yeah? So um, um, if we look at the strongs, when I, look at it, when I looked it up in the strongs, strategies there um, meant well-crafted trickery. So it's the deceits that the enemy uses, the strategies of the enemy. So today we're going to be looking up or finding out what are these strategies that the enemy uses against us. Yeah, because he also says that um, 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 we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So I was like, okay, if the enemy has been defeated, why are we wrestling? Yes, because he has defeated principalities and powers. He has given us dominion over them. We are now seated with him in the heavenlies. So why are we now wrestling with the devil? So what then is the enemy, if we are wrestling with him and he has strategies, what's, what then is he using to fight us? Because he's been disarmed, no? Colossians makes us understand that he has disarmed principalities and powers. So if he has been disarmed, where is he getting the armor to fight against us? What are the strategies that he is using? So um, um, Ephesians 6, 12, verse 12 of that chapter. Ephesians 6, 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Why are we wrestling against what has been defeated? What has been disarmed? So is either the scripture is lying or we are not understanding something. Because scripture makes us understand that they have been defeated. So why then are we wrestling? So let's see what it means, what wrestle in that context, what it means. Again, we can, if you give me the amplified of verse 12 of that chapter, please. Ephesians 6, 12 in the amplified. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world's forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces, wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places. So we are contending. That's what wrestle in that context means. We are contending with something. It's not necessarily physical fight, you know, Let's fight. It's a contention. So what are we contending with the enemy with? What is our struggle with, with principalities and power? Let's look at 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5, please. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing 
that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's the contention. Everything that is trying to take the place of God in your life, everything that is trying to contend with the knowledge of God that you have. There was a message Pav um, preached, um, silence the accuser, that's it. Basically, he was talking about the fact that the enemy is an accuser. That's his job description. Satan is an accuser. His work is to accuse you constantly, standing before God. Can you not, have you seen, hey, he did this, he did that. His work is to always accuse you. So when he comes to accuse you with something, when he comes to bring a thought in your mind, on Friday, Pav dealt deeply with the mind. The mind is the battlefield. That is where battles are won. That is where battles are fought. So when the devil comes to contend with the knowledge of God that you have, how do you respond? How do you react? What do you do? Again, um, someone came to give a praise report and talked about the word of God. It is the word that you have that you can use to silence the enemy. There is no other thing you can, if you cannot remember the words that you have been taught, because every word you have been taught, we've been told in this house, learn to bank it. Because you might not necessarily need or you feel it's not applicable to you now. Don't worry. You will need the word. Soon. Very soon. So when the devil comes to accuse you, because the truth of the matter is what the devil is accusing you about, God does not even remember it. How much more see it? He's thinking, okay, because as far as the east is from the west, So far as he removed your transgressions from you. So when the enemy comes and brings up thought that is not of God. Casting down every imagination that exalts itself above the knowledge of God in your life. Satan is only doing his job description, guys. Which is to accuse you. So you as sons, what is your own job description? Because he's doing his work well. How are you doing your work? How are you enforcing the authority that you have in Christ? I, I shared a few days ago and I spoke about when the devil comes to accuse you of something. When the devil comes to accuse you of something, silence him. When he comes to remind you of your past, Papa has taught us, you remind him of his future. His future is of, he's not, he's not going anywhere. He knows where he's going to end up. He's just trying to see how many people he can take along with him. And unfortunate are you if you fall for it. But me, I know who and whose I am. So when any thought comes, cast it down. Bring it under the subjection of the word that you know. The word that you have been taught. Let's see Colossians 2, 8 to 9 in the Amplified, please. Colossians 2, 8 to 9. 
See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, pseudo-intellectual babbles, according to the tradition amusing of mere men, following the elementary principles of this world, rather than following the truth and the teaching of Christ. For in him all the fullness of deity and Godhead dwells in bodily form, completely expressing the divine essence of God. So, I mean, if you have the fullness of God in you, if you have Christ fully resident in you, there's no philosophy that should be able to sway you. If you truly heard the gospel, the gospel that is good news, the gospel that saves you, the gospel that brings you into the will of God for mankind. If you truly heard, the, there's no philosophy anybody will bring that can sway you. So what is the enemy coming to contend with you for? What are they trying to battle you with? Is the knowledge of God that you have. They want to try and pollute your knowledge of God. That's what he did with Eve, no? He told Eve in the garden, did God say you should not eat? No, no, God said I can eat, but I should not eat that. Okay, he's lying to you because you know if you eat, you will now be like him. Was Eve not like God already? So what was the reason Eve fell for it? She did not know who she was in God. That's it. That was the deceit. And that's the deceit that the devil is still using today. He will tell you that, are you sure you're saved? Are you sure the price has really been paid for you? Everything is complete. Okay, you are saved. Are you sure you are healed? That's the deceit. And yes, Jesus died for your sins, but there's no but. We understand in this house that we have been bought with a huge price. A huge price. You are priceless. I, I, I said a, a few days ago, a few weeks ago that you were not bought on credit. You are not higher purchase. You have been paid for in full. Christ is not owing any outstandings on your behalf. So when the enemy comes to whisper things in your ears and tell you, are you sure you are a son of God? Are you sure you have been saved? You know you are a saint. Don't look at this outward physical appearance. Yes, we are saints. We are sons of God. That is one title that the devil can never get. Son of God. That is the title you have been given. You are royalty. You are precious to God. So walk worthy of your calling. Carry yourself like you know who and whose you are. So when the devil comes to mess with the knowledge of God that you have, because if he succeeds, then he's gotten you. I put here that the strongest strategy of the enemy is accusation. That's what he will use to get you. 
The enemy will always come and bring guilt. So yes, you know that um, your sins have been paid for, but he still brings that ungodly remorse that makes you feel like, okay, am I, am I not? Is God, is God not? God is your father. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That is the fact. It doesn't matter what thought comes. Cast it down. Stand on the authority that you have been given. Because you have so much authority. It's scary the authority that as believers we carry. So it's a shame to see a believer doubting his or herself. Am I? Am I not? Can I? Can I not? You can do all things. All things means all things. Whatever you lay your hands to do prospers. Why? Because you have authority. Because you are a son of God. So when the devil comes to bring that guilt... That remorse in you, shut him down. Don't even give him chance to be, because if you give him an inch, um, a mile is even short. He will take your whole life. So do not give the enemy the chance at all to get into your thoughts, to get into your mind. And, and I think I said in that message, remorse is okay. It's good to be repentant and most importantly to stay repentant. Yes? So you repent of something, stay repentant. It's okay to be sorry about what you have done. It's okay to apologize for what you have done. But when you constantly, anytime you're trying to move forward, the enemy brings that guilt of you did this. That's not of God. Because he came that you will have life and have it abundantly. He did not come to condemn you. God is not in the business of condemning anybody. Jesus was condemned enough for you. The wrath of God was fully, fully, fully satisfied in Christ. He pleased God to bruise him because he became seen for you that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So where is that lie coming from? I mean, he's, a, he's the father of all liars, isn't it? So it's not, it's not surprising that he tells so much lies. It's not surprising. But you by now should know and not be caught in his web. Don't allow yourself to be caught in the lies of the devil. You are a superior being. Yes, sir. Our hands are clean. We have been washed clean. Who can, who can judge a man's servant? It is unto his master. And God is able to make him stand. There is no way, no way, absolutely no way that I, I, I don't know about you, I can fall for the tricks of the devil. 
Impossicant. It's not possible. As long as God is on high. Guys, come into the knowledge of who you are. There is a confidence that comes with it. There is a boldness that comes with it. That no matter what life throws at you, you like, it came to pass. Because the price for it has been paid in full. So I'm just coming here to remind you of who you are in Christ. If you have forgotten, I'm coming to remind you that you are a chosen generation. A peculiar person. You cost God so much. You cost him his only So that he can have you as his sons. Walk worthy of this knowledge. Walk boldly in this knowledge. You are a son of God. Say it boldly. I am a son of God. Hallelujah. So when the enemy comes to discredit your salvation. Because that's what he's coming to fight against. Coming to discredit your salvation. You know now how to deal with him. You know how to tell him to. Uncle, I don't even have. Don't, why are we even giving the devil our ears to begin with? Shut him up. Because if you start giving thoughts to what he's saying. Before you know, he will take over and you will forget who you are. So when he comes to discredit your salvation, because that is what he's coming to do. The fight is against your salvation. But thanks be to God. Because you know what? The salvation has not even been given to us in full. So there's no way he can steal it from us. It is safely God's business. Safely. So he can discredit it all he wants. Thank God that sons in this house, we know what is. We know. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. The devil has been disarmed, guys. He has been disarmed. He has no weapon. If he has any weapon to fight to you, the one that gave it to him. And how do you give it to him? By giving him your attention. He has been disarmed. He has nothing on you. Nothing on you. You are a son of God. Saved. I cannot get over that fact. That God, 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 God came down by himself. Because God was in Christ, no? He was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. God came by himself to reconcile you. You like this. This is your eye that I'm seeing like this. (laughs) So our stand is against the schemes of the devil. Our stand is against 
what he uses to discredit our salvation. Because one thing I've realized, scripture says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Ignorance kills. If you do not know who you are, ah, he will use you as mincemeat. Use you to cook pepper soup. <laughs> Ignorance is a disease that should not be found amongst us. Go out there. Showcase the God that you carry. Because we are not ignorant of the devices of the enemy. We know them. We know how he works. We know how he works. We know how he operates. And because we have the knowledge of God, we are able to stand against his schemes. We are able to stand against any strategy. He wants to... I mean, how can Satan be more strategic than God? Is it even possible? So now you are gods. Abi, you do not know. Ye are gods. So how can the enemy's strategy deceive you? Knowledge is beautiful. Ignorance can kill you. So come into knowledge, guys. Come into, there's, there's, there's a confidence that comes with knowledge that we cannot afford we cannot afford to play with. Knowledge is power. Not power like. But you know at every turn in life what to do. Something comes, you know how to respond. That's when you have knowledge. And we have knowledge. And the beautiful thing is, God never leaves us to think about, okay, how am I going to do this? How am I going to fight this? How am I going to overcome? At every point, he's given us strategies to overcome. So let's look at those strategies. Ephesians, same Ephesians 6, verse 13 to 18. Ephesians is our anchor scripture today. Yeah? Therefore, because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, you know, we are not unawares of the devices of the enemy and all of that, all of that. Now, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore. Now, these are the armors we've been given by God. The first one. Haven't gathered your waist with truth. Haven't put on the breastplate of righteousness. Haven't shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you, are, you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. That's the armor God has given us. And we're going to be looking at them one after the other so we can better understand it. Um, um, 
Pav has always taught us that it's imperative when you're reading the scripture to put yourself in the chapters of the Bible and imagine the times and the era when it was written. Yeah? So when Paul was saying, put on the armor of God, the best way he could explain it was using a Roman soldier. Yes? That's a Roman soldier. That's the entire armor. Looking at this photo, it would be difficult to know where to hit this soldier. His head is covered, his chest, and, and I was reading what um, the outfit of the uh, Roman soldier was made of. It's made of iron. Iron that has been well processed. It's not just anyhow iron. Iron that is strong enough, yet light enough for them to wear and be able to wiggle themselves in. That's the armor that we have been told to put on. So the first armor was truth. Yes, Ephesians 6.13. Truth, that's the first armor. Putting on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, yes. Against um, having done all to stand, verse 14, I think. Having gidded your waist with truth. Gid your waist with truth. What is the truth of God's word concerning you? Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. What is the truth? Or who is truth? Let's just look at a few scriptures, yes? So we can fully certify what, who, who truth is, yes? John 8, 32. John 8, 32. And you shall know the truth. I'm not the one that said it all. Who said this? And you shall know the truth. And that truth that you know shall make you free. Who has made us free? So who is the truth that we should know? There's no hidden meaning. Everything has been revealed. Thank God for the kind of pastor we have. John 14, 6. We just went through a couple of scriptures to see who truth is. Yes? John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John eleven twenty five. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. First John 5, 6. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the spirit who bears witness because the spirit is truth. Yes? John 8, um, if I see John 8.32 in the Amplified. And you will know the truth regarding your salvation. That's what saves you. 
you shall know the truth regarding your salvation. And the truth will set you free from the penalty of sin. That's the armor God has told you to put on. Knowing the truth of your salvation. Knowing that Jesus died to save you. Knowing that Jesus died to ensure, to guarantee your eternal salvation. Knowing that you have been set free from the penalty of sin. So the enemy cannot come and deceive you that because you sinned, God has left you. The penalty for your sin has been paid for. This is the truth of God's word. This is what we have been told in Ephesians 6, 14 to guide our waist with. Because when something is, you see these people that wear, get body magic. When you wait, when, sometimes when you punch them, nothing moves. Because it is holding them firmly. So when you have the truth of God's word regarding your salvation, when the enemy throws punches at you, you're not moving. You will stand firmly. Know the truth of your salvation. Know this truth. And it is what will set you free from the schemes and the devices and the craftiness of the devil. Amen. Amen. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. You have right standing with God. That's what Jesus came to, to do. To give you right standing with God. Now you are at peace with God. What separated us from God? When sin, when, when our, it was our right standing with God that we lost in the garden. That's why Adam went to hide. And when God said, where are you? Because he thought he had lost his standing with God. He cannot boldly come anymore. And in its place, sin took over. But thank God for Jesus. Who is now our righteousness. Who has restored our right standing back with our father. Now, guys, you have right standing. You can boldly come before your father. Boldly. Boldly. You have nothing to fear. You have right standing with God. 1 Corinthians 1.30 But of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us, the wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Second Corinthians 5.21 For he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we that we 
that we, you and I, might become the righteousness of God in him. Righteous is how God sees you. No wrong has been imputed to you. You are righteous. Say it for yourself. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Jesus Christ ensured it. He ensured that now you have right standing with the Father. Now as he is. We have right standing, guys. We are made, we are at peace with God. Christ ensured that now we are at peace with God. It is not a cliche. God is no longer mad at you. Now you are of right standing. You have right standing with him. He sees you righteous. He sees you holy. He sees you sanctified. And that's why he has glorified you. Give the Lord praise somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The third armor, the gospel of peace. Ephesians 6. And having showed your faith with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We dealt with peace consciousness. Yes? And we've been told over and over and over and over again, let nothing disturb the peace of God that you have in Christ Jesus. You have peace with God. Be at peace with it. You have peace with God. Let that be okay for you. Let nothing take away the peace of God that you have in Christ Jesus. Knowing that, you know, there's a peace that comes with knowing that you are saved. Or there should be a peace that comes with knowing that you are saved. So yes, we have guaranteed. Let that guarantee give you peace. Knowing that nothing, 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 absolutely nothing can take me away from my father's hand. Knowing that I am saved. You have peace. Path defined um, peace in the Peace Consciousness series. And he says, peace is, in the Hebrew word is shalom. And he said, when someone comes to you and said shalom, it carries weight. And he, he went further to say, peace means Cosmic order as ordained by God. A state of divine equilibrium. You know when something is in equilibrium? When you're at equilibrium, you're there. Constant. Unshakable. Unmovable. You have peace, guys. 
You cannot be tossed back and forth if you have peace. So the way we know you don't know you have peace is when you are one minute you are, the next minute you are, then your peace is questionable. Because peace gives you an equilibrium that makes you steady in spite of. Everybody will be wondering, ah, everybody will be running up and down, you're just there. Because you know. You know. Pav went on to say, it is a realm where, where chaos is not allowed to enter. Chaos cannot come. When you have peace, everybody's going crazy around you. You are just there. Stable. And not stable like they see you, but your mind is running everywhere. You know, there are people like that. You, you think they are just calm and quiet, but their mind has done... Their mind has gone places. Peace is from within. In spite of. That's the peace we should guard our feet with. That no matter where life takes us, no matter where your feet leads you, you know that this feet will not lead me into trouble. Because I am wearing peace on them. So even when I step into trouble, peace follows me and there's a calm. Because there will be trouble, guys. Is it not this life? This life like this. There will be trouble. But as long as you know that wherever your feet goes, because your feet is shouldered in peace, You are constant. You are constant. You have the peace of God. Who is our peace? Jesus is our peace. Our everlasting peace. There was storm in the boat and it was moving up and down and there the disciples were what? Jesus was sleeping. How much more peace can you see? That is peace, guys. How can you sleep in this? How, how, how? How can you sleep? And it's not the kind of yacht that they do now, you know, that is covered. What I know. It, a boat. Boat, 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 boat. Canoe, canoe, canoe. So when it moves, everything moves. Water is coming in. And now I get Peter's anger. Guy, how can you be sleeping? How? That's what peace does for you. That no matter what is raging, you are constant. The gospel of peace, the good news of peace, you have it. Amen. Okay. Faith. That's our fourth armor. Taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Faith consciousness. 
faith is purely of God. The faith that you have is of God. Faith is how God reckons himself. Now it makes sense why Ephesians 6 puts, can we, can we see that, that verse again, please? Taking the shield of faith, like when you hold it, anything that comes, you can block it. And that faith is how God reckons himself. So you are carrying how God reckons himself. Which arrow? Where is it coming from? How? 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 God, God, God is your shield. The Lord is your shield. Faith, the capacity of God, all of God, he has given you to shield yourself. If they are pressing you at night, it's because you don't know. If the tree in your father's house is still working against you, it's because you don't know. You have God as your shield. Guys, almighty God. Almighty God is your shield. And the devil can get you. Ah. Hebrews 11.6 Hebrews 11.6 But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. In that scripture, that is it for me. Because if you do not believe that God is, how then can you please him? If you do not believe that God is, then what really were you saved into? If you come, you must first believe that God is. Before he's now a rewarder of day that deliver. He is. He is. God is. He's your shield. He's your protector. He's your provider. He's your sustainer. He's your healer. He's your way maker. He's, he is. God is. That is the shield that you have. It's a lot, guys. It's a lot. Ephesians 2 verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourself. It is a gift of God. It is, it is by grace you have been saved. And how do you get that grace? It is through faith. Faith in who God is. Faith in how God reckons himself. Faith in the ability and the capacity of God. That is how you are saved. That is how you can stand against the vials of the devil. Knowing that God is. Amen. And we know as well that the entrance of God's word gives life. Yeah. So we know that faith comes by what you hear. 
Faith comes by hearing. And hearing the word of God. It is the word of God that will save you. It has been said over and over and over and over. If God will help a man. He will send him his word. If the word of God cannot help you. Uncle. We cannot help you. You are beyond help. Even when Satan came to tempt Jesus. 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 The word. How did he counter the strategies of the devil? By the word. So why then do you think you can fight the devil with philosophy? Or you wait, you think you are smart. You can outsmart him. It is the word that you know. The word that you know. Not the word your pastor knows. The word that you know that will be your defense when the time comes. The word that you know. It is not a song in the lyrics that will save you. You get me? It is not the song of a lyrics that will save you. Because even days you have to filter the lyrics to get the, the weary thing. But the word that you know David said, your word I have hid in my heart. It is the word that is in your heart. The word of God that is in you. That you will be able to fight or defeat the devil when he comes. Because he will come. Is what he does best. He will come. He has to take some people with him now. He has to deceive some people. But thank God we cannot be deceived. Because we know the word. And not just knowing the word. We do the word. We apply the word. Faith guys. The shield that you have. The consciousness of who you are in God. The consciousness of God's ability. The consciousness of how God reckons himself. That's your shield. Do well to use it. Do well to use it. Our fifth armor. Salvation. This one is a big one. The helmet of salvation. The helmet. Because... It's, it's no wonder it's a helmet because that's where every thought comes from. That's where the engine of your life is. Have, when we did um, um, You Are What You See, he explained that the brain is, you know, what you see is not really what you see, is what the brain process. Where is the brain? That's what processes everything. That's why the helmet is on your head. The helmet of salvation. Soteria. The complete package. Salvation. Your deliverance. Your deliverance from and your deliverance into. Salvation. What contains your healing. You are not saved and now you are looking for how to be delivered. 
you are not saved and now you are now looking for healing. You are not saved and, okay, you think God did not factor every other thing into the salvation plan for you. He just said, okay, you know what? I'll save you. The rest is up to you. He saved you and ensured that everything that you will need for life and godliness has been made available for you. It is the knowing that is the difference. It is the knowledge that is the difference between you and the unbeliever. The salvation package. Knowing that your salvation is guaranteed. There is no lie of the enemy that would mess with your head. Knowing that your salvation is secured. Knowing that there is nothing you would do that can pluck you out of his hand or change how he feels about you. He has paid the price already. It's non-refundable. It's non-refundable. Your salvation is guaranteed. Rest in it. Relax. Your salvation is guaranteed. Pav shared something on... um, the guarantee that our salvation is hinged on, how do we know our salvation is guaranteed? We know that our salvation is guaranteed, yes. What is the guarantee of the guarantee? Makes sense? And the first guarantee is the everlasting nature of our Father. God cannot give you what he does not have. If God is everlasting, the life he gives is everlasting. God cannot give you a life that is not everlasting when he's an everlasting God. I mean, he died to make us sons, yeah? So if he's an everlasting father and he did not give us everlasting life, when we die, he will now become fatherless again now, no? Abi? So what will he now do? Now be coming to die again and start raising something. You people are too much work. So because he's everlasting, what he gives is everlasting. That's the guarantee. That's the first guarantee of your salvation. Knowing that God will not give me what he does not have. If God is everlasting and he's my father, then as his son, I automatically have a DNA that is everlasting. So you have everlasting life. The second guarantee of our guarantee, and this one blew my mind, guys, is the eternal priesthood of Jesus. He lives forever, forever making intercession for us. Forever. Let's look at some, some scriptures. Let's start with Hebrews 5. This one is a bit long, but just, just go with me, yeah? Hebrews 5, from verse 1 to 10. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. He can have compassion on those who is ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. 
Because of this, he is required as for the people, so also for himself, to offer sacrifices for sin. We, we, we know that um, in the old uh, Levitical order, before a priest will offer the goats for Israel, he has to kill a ram for himself. Because if his sin is not washed enough, God will kill him and then kill everybody else. So your own sin has to be, so only one man, you carry bull for him to wash, so to, to ensure that the sin is washed totally. There's nothing outstanding. We didn't miss anything. So we kill a bull for you. When you are now washed a hand, we cannot bring the goats to offer. Because if, if God is dealing with the priest, so once the priest is without blemish, God can now be able to accept the sacrifice on behalf of the people. Make sense? Okay, let's continue, please. Because of this, yes, offer sacrifices for sin, verse 4. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was, is the priest that is chosen by God. You know, they come and then the oil is poured on their head, whatever, and all of that, yeah. Verse 5, so also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. So it it was fulfilled because God um, chose the priest, God chose Jesus because he declared to him that today you are my son, I have begotten you. Also, as he also say in another place, says in another place, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with vehement cries and tears to him, who is able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Hold up, go back. Again, when Pav explained this, it blew my mind. Go to the sentence before this. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he offered up prayers and supplication with vehement cries and tears to him who is able to save us. Who is this scripture talking about? Christ, when he was praying to God to say, let this cup pass over me, yeah? to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Hold up. But Jesus died, no? So what does this scripture mean that he prayed for God to save him from death and God heard him because of his godly fear? But Jesus died. We know he died. If he did not die, we will not be, we will not be here. Yes? Jesus died. We know he died. Okay. All right. Let's continue. Verse 8. And though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Now let's go to 
um, Psalms 16 verse 10. I want to explain Jesus dying, but God hearing him. For you will not leave my soul in show. Where is Sheol? Place of the dead. Nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Acts 2.27 For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. So Jesus died. All the other priests died. Yes? Aaron. All the other priests, they died. Jesus died. So what separates Jesus from the other priests? How did God hear him when he said, do not allow my soul to see death? And God heard him. The difference was God did not leave him in the land of the dead. Jesus resurrected. And because he lives, because Jesus is alive, because our priest who died resurrected, he's still our priest forever. He's now at the right hand of the Father, just as the priest who continuously offers up sacrifices. The sacrifice has been paid once and for all. Jesus is now by the side of the Father, constantly interceding for us. So when the devil comes or, or, or God wants to punish you because he's still of fairer eyes than to behold iniquity. So when the enemy comes and, the, and, and God wants to punish you for sins, Jesus stands and says, Father, I paid for that. You cannot punish that. He is constantly, daily interceding for you. He's a high priest forever. He died, but he's alive. He's alive, and now he's our high priest. Our eternal, forever high priest. So we always have someone who is always interceding for us. So we are at peace with God. We are at peace with God. Hebrews 7, from 20 to 28. Again, it's a long read, but just come with me, yes? Okay. Hebrews 7. And inasmuch as he was not made priest without an oath, for they have become priests without an oath, but he with an oath by him who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. By so much more, Jesus has become a surety for better covenant. Also, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. They could not remain priests interceding because there was a lifespan. They had to die. They could not live forever. But because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood, 
Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God. I looked up the word uttermost. It's a Greek word and is ace. And that word means until the end. Until you enter. He's able to save you until you enter. Let's continue. Therefore, he's able to save until you enter. That's uttermost. Until you enter those who come to God. Through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separated from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices for his own sin, and then for the people, for he did this once and for all, when he offered up himself. For the law appoints as high priest men who have weaknesses, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the son who has been perfected forever. And because he is perfected forever, you are perfected forever. You are perfected forever. He is constantly, 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 constantly. He does not need to offer up sacrifice first before he can come. He offered it once and for all. Give the Lord praise in this house. The third guarantee of our guarantee is the guarantee of the spirit. So the first one is the eternal, no, the eternal nature of God. The second one, and the third one, the guarantee of the spirit. The Holy Spirit, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of Christ. Yes, we can see that in Romans 8 from 9 to 11, Galatians 4 verse 6. So when you get home, just read that. It, it explains to us that the spirit, the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit of God. Who is the Holy Spirit of Jesus? Who God has placed in us. Yes? So that's who the Holy Spirit is. Now, the Holy Spirit is your seal. What is a seal? A seal is a proof of authenticity. A seal is what authenticates that a document is genuine. So if they put a seal on a letter... Say a bank puts their seal on a letter. Anywhere you take that letter to, they will know it's an authentic document from your bank. That's who the Holy Spirit is to you. He is your seal. So that when you die, on the day of redemption, they won't say you are fake. 
You have the seal of authenticity that you are a son of God. That is your guarantee. That is your ticket to heaven. The Holy Spirit guarantees your entrance into eternity. That is why the Holy Spirit cannot leave a believer. If he leaves you, you are counterfeit. The Holy Spirit cannot leave a believer. And let me just point out, the Holy Spirit cannot be in your life. And there are other spirits oppressing you. Because when the Spirit of God enters you, he fills you up. Whenever the Spirit of God, all through scriptures, when, when, when the Spirit of God came down, when the Spirit of God entered the temple, it fills the place. It fills you up that there is no space for any other spirit to enter. We have been taught in this house that your body is not like a two-bedroom, the Holy Spirit is in one. Then demon can safely dwell in another. Once you are sealed with the guarantee of the Holy Spirit, that is it. There's no going out. And Noah entered the ark and God shut the door. The only option you have is to believe or not believe. Once you believe, you receive. Once you receive, there's no going out. There's no going out. Once you have been sealed, you cannot be unsealed. And because you have this guarantee, because you know you have been sealed, because you know you have the Spirit of God, eternity is guaranteed. Thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is something that the cross made available for us. Because if Jesus did not die, we will not have the Spirit. He said, I have to go. If I do not go, I cannot send you another. He had to go so he can send you the seal, the, your guarantee, your assurance beyond probability that come on the day of judgment when the dead in Christ shall arise first. If we are still alive, we too, we will be caught up in glory and we will all be saved into eternity. Because we have our seal. I am sealed of the Lord. I cannot be unsealed. Give the Lord praise somebody. Thank him for the cross. Thank him for the seal that you have. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the last guarantee of your guarantee is the hope of immortality it goes beyond saying that if your father is everlasting eternal if he does not die if he's immortal i mean you have to be immortal so the fourth is the hope of immortality your hope of immortality. Let's see 
First Corinthians 15, 12 to 22. Because if there is no hope for immortality, then what we are doing here is a joke. If this is all there is to life and we just go and that's it, ah, let's chop this life be that. And let's rest. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, we know he was raised from the dead. How do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up. If in fact the dead did not rise. You understand that sentence here? Yeah? So we'll be lying if, if Jesus did not resurrect. So that means what the soldiers were saying that the disciples came to steal the body. It was true. Yeah? Okay. 16. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sin. Then also those who are falling asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. If this is all there is to our walk with God, we just come on earth, 50 years, 60 years, you die, and that's it. Then that's sad, isn't it? That's very sad. But now, but now, Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. Because Jesus is risen, you are guaranteed that on the last day, you shall rise with him. You have immortality. That is our assurance. That's why we're doing this. So we enjoy this life and then we go and enjoy the one after. We have immortality. We will continue with our father. That's what we're looking forward to. Being with him. Seeing him. Becoming as he is. That's the end goal. Becoming as he is. That's the end goal. So guys, your salvation is unlocked. If there was any doubt, I hope now I have been able to convince you <laughs> that your salvation is guaranteed. Hallelujah. We still have two more armors to go through. So the sixth armor, the word. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Like I have said over and over and over and over. It is the word that you know that will keep you standing in the day of adversity. If there is nothing in you, when the devil comes, you will not have anything to fight against him with. 
Uh, my pastor say, my pastor say, my pastor. Devil does not hear my pastor say. You have to know the word for yourself. So when we are encouraging you to study the word and know God for yourself, it's for your benefit. It's not for my benefit. It's not for the pastor's benefit. It's not for Pav's benefit. It is for your own good. Because in the day of adversity, that's the only thing that can save you. The only thing. So spend time with the word. It is the sword of the spirit. You have the Holy Spirit in you. When something comes up, so when, how is it the sword of the Spirit? When something comes up, it is the Spirit that brings out from you what is already in you. If there's nothing in you, there's nothing the Spirit can bring out. You will render the Spirit powerless. The Word is His sword. The word that is sharper than every two-edged sword is the word. That's the sword of the spirit. So it is when you have something in you and when adversity comes, the spirit of God in you will take out from you and give you back to be able to fight with. If you are empty, okay, The last armor, prayer. A Christ-conscious believer is given to prayer. Praying always with all prayers and supplication in the spirit. Prayer, prayer, prayer. We do not pray because we do not know. We pray from a place of victory. We pray with the knowledge of God that we have. We pray by the Spirit. Prayer brings you into the consciousness of who you are in God. Prayer brings you into the awareness of all that you have in God. We pray without season. We pray always. Marabo shakaya desi ataya dosa lekenda doli andosi pala koze le pala kataya kandonde andosi prayer comes effortlessly to sons of God we pray just because we pray because it brings us into the mind of our father we pray just because Open your mouth, sons of God, and pray. Come into the knowledge of who you are in God. Come into the consciousness of who you are in Christ. Come into the awareness of all that God has done for you in Christ. Prayer brings you into that awareness. Prayer 
ipanto lekeja dinna lokatila maliku tulekezi alenda nadia doza maliku tulekeja dila koza dada malikatila kozi alekatile inda duba lekasi platole ikatia koja dinda dondi ande mandosi apala kosa lekelekezi alinda dula ikala kati akuja dada boziba thank you father 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 for we know that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal thank you because now we know all of the armors that we have that you have made available for us thank you because we can no longer be deceived by the devil Thank you because no strategies of the enemy against us uh, shall stand because we know who's uh, and who we are in you. We know all that you have made available for us. Uh, we know all that you have given us. Uh, we stand tall in all that you have given us. Uh, we stand tall in the knowledge of who you are. We stand tall in the knowledge of all you have done. Uh, we stand tall, we stand tall. Thank you, Father. Thank you Father. We give you the praise oh God. We give you the praise oh God. Thank you. Thank you God. We have come into the awareness of all we are in you. Thank you for Jesus. Because all of this armor is Christ. All of this armor in Christ. So we are hid in Christ and Christ in God. Therefore no darts of the enemy can find us. Even when the enemy comes he shall find nothing in us because we are hid in Christ. We are hid in Christ. We wear Christ. We are Christ on display. We are Christ in everything that we do. We are Christ. We know our reality in Christ Jesus. Thank you for this awareness, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for your son. We thank you for the life that he lived. We thank you for the life that his life brought us into. Thank you because in you we are saved. In you we are free. In you we are secured. In you we are your righteousness. In you we are justified. In you we are healed. In you we are empowered. In you we are strengthened. In you we are quickened. In you, in you, in you, oh God. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a shout, people of God. Hallelujah. Well, that's it for today's teaching. We trust it has been worth your time. For more of these messages from our stables, kindly subscribe to our teaching podcast at www.thebasileacommission.podbean.com or via the Podbean app on your mobile device. For inquiries and further information, kindly send us an email to info at thebasileacommission.org or find us on social media with the handles at the Truth Simply Put or at War the Church. You can also send us an 
SMS, call us, or connect with us via WhatsApp on plus 234-70-881-8864. Finally, if you would like to give to support the work that we do, kindly follow the Patreon link in our podcast or contact our office for details. Thank you.